0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of
1: Reuters news.
0: Welcome to the Views Room, a weekly podcast brought to you by Reuters Breaking Views. I'm Rob Cox, the editor of Breaking Views, coming to you from Zurich, Switzerland, the land of cows, chocolate, gold bars and neutrality. So Tuesday night's U.S. presidential debate was really just a mess. Donald Trump blustered over Joe Biden repeatedly, and really there was almost nothing to glean on the future of U.S. economic policy or any policy whatsoever. So I talked to Anna Shamansky, who stayed up late watching and writing on the debate, and wrote a piece for us that was widely read. It tells you there's extraordinary interest in the U.S. election, of course, but not a lot of hope after watching this shambolic 90 minutes. But, dear listener, do not despair. There are two more coming up, plus the vice presidential debate, so tune in. On a lighter note, I traveled to Milan this week and caught up with our columnist, Lisa Yucca. She wrote a pretty interesting piece on why Italy's Serie A soccer club should accept a deal from CBC Capital to sell 10% of itself. Essentially, the buyout is designed to quell squabbling among the 20 teams in the league, bolster media rights, and make Italian soccer great again. Next week, we'll know whether the owners of clubs like Juventus and Lazio also agree with Lisa. Anyway, give it a listen. Anna Szymanski, good to hear from you. Good to see you. Uh, you're in Brooklyn, but you got a taste of Cleveland on Tuesday night when you listened and tuned in and watched the first of the American presidential debates and wrote a piece about it, which uh, our, our, our clients eagerly read. Um, it was, well, we don't want to dwell too much on what that all meant. It was a, right. it was a pretty, it was pretty gruesome um, and pretty disjointed. But what, how do you think this sets us up for the next, whatever, 35 days before we get to the number, November 3rd election?
1: Yeah, I. if you look over the last number of years, debates tend to actually not move the needle that much. Maybe there'll be a slight point move here or there, but for the most part, doesn't really change anything. Honestly, despite how fairly bizarre this debate was, I think that's the case again. I I don't think this is going to change many minds. I think this is mostly just going to reinforce what everybody already thought. But I would say number one, that is bad news for the Trump administration, because he came into this debate trailing by about seven points. So he really was the one who needed to do something to change the conversation. And what we've seen in the last number of months is that when he his identity his temperament is the main focus he does poorly
0: right and, i mean the trump the, i will say the biden you know biden may not be the most appealing candidate um but uh, certainly but it almost doesn't matter as long as you're just deflecting exactly. almost like putting up a mirror because the you know the, they seem to have this idea the democrats just say let trump be Trump. And the and I suppose the problem for the president for the Republicans is that Trump wants Trump's answer to everything is more Trump.
1: Right. Yeah, he's exactly. He he seems to be incapable of dialing it back. The the one time you've seen him dial it back, I would say recently was at the RNC in his speech which was fairly boring, but was a fairly measured by Trump standards speech.
0: It was a conventional acceptance speech at right. a convention. Long, exactly. long for the COVID, we're all watching it on Zoom era or whatever, but but it is, it was not, it was kind of in line with what you expect, which is not what we saw. Let's just go back a little bit. What I mean, your assessment of the debate, it's almost like we're dancing around it because it really was hard to it, watch.
1: It was very hard to watch. And I, I've been watching presidential debates for a very long time. And I remember in 2016, the debates were odd in 2016, especially the one where Trump was kind of, you know, stalking. Clinton. He was walking behind. Him <laughs> yes. and sort of <laughs> glowering behind her. Yeah. That that was very bizarre. But they still read as debates. It, it, this one did not. This was just a mess almost from the very start.
2: Yeah. I,
0: name calling, name calling, and then you know, get, trying to goad or 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 bait Biden. Mm-hmm into it's right. school and you know he 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 did but he did in ways that i didn't think were that you know, he said why don't you shut up man or something like that. <laughs>
1: yes. which which may be his campaign slogan moving forward it's, which actually
0: like <laughs> shut up man i mean there is a sense i feel like that you know when i look back at the uk election uh, last year that what, what boris johnson did quite successfully was to say get brexit done now was it If even people who wanted to remain in the European Union, had Brexit fatigue. They were tired of the arguing. They were tired of the divisiveness. I wonder if there isn't going to be a similar phenomenon with people even who might've voted for Trump. Just say, please end the yelling. Please stop the noise.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that while As I've said, I don't necessarily think we're going to see some enormous movement in the polls. I do think on the margins, you might get some of those people who were maybe slightly more moderate Republicans, fiscal conservatives who are still a little anxious about what the Democrats might do if they have both the White House and the Senate. But they see something like this, and I think that could push them over the edge to just be like, I can't have any more of this. And I think that is what I think Biden and their Democrat strategy has been is, Keep the attention off of Biden. Just don't have him do anything really ridiculous, and just let Trump dig himself into a bigger and bigger hole that has served them very well thus far. And I think that is probably what we are going to see for the next little over a month.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah it's sort of like whether whatever you think about what Trump's policies may have been, or, you know, it really it just this is an a, it just comes across as. Is uh, a pretty unlikable fellow, and and yet it's kind of, at least he did in the in the debate, um, and you know he has two more chances, right? There are two more debates. Yeah, if if they actually go ahead, <laughs> they might not, right? I mean, I would have, I wouldn't surprise me if if Biden just said, "Look, this is just a waste of my time."
1: Yeah, it's interesting to say. I mean, on the one hand, I think Biden might be a little wary of doing that because he doesn't want to come off as being scared or weak. Right. However, you also might get people saying, like, "Look, you know, when you have." President of the United States offering misinformation about the voting process, it, it raises the question of what is the point of this? Because it, if debates don't really change people's minds, what they can do is introduce people to their leaders, to the issues. Like, it can be a civics exercise. This was a horrible civics exercise. <laughs> this, so it does raise the question of what is the point
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. No, we do have the vice president, uh, president. Is that next week? I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that should be, I think more, well, be more coherent if nothing else.
0: Yeah. Kamala Harris and and Mike Pence are not going to, they might be shrill or something at at times, but you know, the two of them, but I mean, well, she, I, I don't know what, how to describe Pence. Um, maybe a little bit yeah but but you don't expect them to like go at it and scream at each
1: other no
2: yeah i
1: I totally agree and i think it will almost certainly be more substantive now the vice presidential debates really don't move the needle (laughs) they're not overly important however look, if they at least give people some information about where these two parties actually stand, at least that will be doing some service. They won't simply be screening. Well, and
0: I also, it does come across, and I'm not ageist here, but it came across, you know, Biden is a very, uh, he's an elderly gentleman. He's, his, you know, he is, he'll be 78. Um, Trump too is quite old, but, you know, in early mid seventies, but it certainly came across as as uh, you know, that is a that comes across clearly, raises the question of succession, if you will. Right, right. And so, I guess it, it it is important in a different way to have a Kamala Harris there um, alongside um, Biden, because then you get a sense of like, because there's actually a better chance that she will be vice president than there is for most vice presidents in history, uh, in in any vice president history of uh, of American politics.
1: Yeah, no, that, that is definitely, definitely true. I'm thinking maybe Tyler with Harrison had a pretty good chance, <laughs> but I, I agree. With that. That, that That's a good point that I will say more people may be tuning in or interested because of what Kamala represents. And I think that is a, probably a good thing for the Democrats because Kamala Harris does very, very well in that arena. She, right. obviously, she's a prosecutor. I, I think she will probably do very well. Now, Pence actually, didn't do poorly. He probably won that debate with Tim Kaine, but I think it's going to be much harder for him with uh, Harris.
0: Yeah. I think she's, when you saw her with Joe Biden, she was, uh, you know, she was cool. She was, she was, I mean, what's the right word? I don't want to use this. People think this is like sexist, like sassy, but she like, she kind of threw it back at Biden in a way. She wasn't shrill, which was the the word everyone used around Hillary Clinton. Um, Pence, I, I don't know, he can be a bit. Um, I don't know. I can't remember the Kane thing quite as well as maybe what was he like in that one?
1: I feel like he was smarter than people may think, just because people probably don't think very much about Mike Pence at all. But he did a pretty good job of undermining a lot of Kane's arguments. Kane also just clearly was not a very skilled debater. That yeah. was definitely one thing that came out in that. And I if I remember correctly, it was I mean, it was a very it, it was very so, wow, actually, Mike Pence did well in this debate. Right. But I, this one maybe maybe will uh, have a little bit more impact.
0: He's quite measured. You know, he doesn't. Um, so I, I don't think you'll get that sort of tone w- right. between the two of them that, that kind of gets into that. I don't know, the moments of just uh, just that were so ugly between yeah. uh, Trump and, and Biden, which I think would be good. But then, so finally, just, you know, there was I mean, we tried to look at the economic policy. Debate or discussion, it was relatively hard. As you wrote in your piece, there were sort of these these sort of lame attempts at at branding um, Biden as a socialist. And there was, you know, Biden was sort of there was there was a little back and forth, like, well, who had a better economy? Was it better under Obama? Was it better under? And, and you know, I think even Chris Wallace, the moderator from Fox, pointed out that in the last. Few years of the uh-huh. Obama administration, more jobs have been created than they right. have been under the Trump administration. Um, and then Trump kind of went back and, and then Biden sort of pointed out that manufacturing jobs had declined during the uh-huh. Trump, even before COVID. And right. that then he tried to claim, of course, well, he claimed in years a Michigan Michigander, <laughs>
1: Michigander, yeah.
0: Michigander would know this. He tried to claim that he brought the automotive industry back. What was your sense of the whole like e- economic? substances such as there was any.
1: Yeah, I, this should have been an area where Trump could do fairly well. It it may seem absurd when you have over 8% unemployment, still net job loss of like 10 million this year, but Trump still pulls fairly well in his handling of the economy. And you do hear people believe his narrative that, well, I was doing really well and COVID happened and that's not my fault. And now look, we're coming back. And, and he will will also get obviously a very good third quarter GDP number because of math, <laughs> because we had such a bad second quarter. That that will help him. Yeah, he That should have been Trump's territory. But the problem is he just didn't have the discipline to go after Biden in the way he probably should have. Because as, as I wrote in my piece, I, I do think that Biden, I think the Democrats moving forward do have this struggle. They have a divided party. They have a huge tent of just you know, everyone from people who aren't even actually Democrats, like the John Kasichs of the world to, you know, your Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. This is very, very wide. And in order to appeal to the moderates, you have to distance yourself from some of the quote-unquote more extreme democratic proposals. But you also need to get those progressives to vote for you, so you can't be appearing to be too far to the center or too perhaps far to the right. So It's it's a tough place. And a more disciplined, smarter candidate would have just kept hitting Biden on that and trying to push him into an ideological corner to make him really take a stand. Trump didn't do that. He if anything, the moderator tried to do that, Wallace tried to do that more than Trump did.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean Trump very quickly, I think within you know ten minutes was, you know, claiming that Biden was a socialist, but it 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 was it was silly. Like No, it it was
0: sort of ad hominem. It was no there was no like you know, there was no. He didn't break it down. He didn't make the case. He just he just name called, which was exactly. kind of what really characterized his uh, approach throughout the evening. Um, and I and I think I just I, I, it's hard to see how um, how it gets better in the next two debates.
1: I, I agree. I I don't think we're probably going to get much substance of all in the in the next debates, as I said, if we even have them. I mean, hopefully, hopefully we will get something. Hopefully in the VP debate, we will get some talk about the actual policies. Although I do think the democratic strategy is going to be, say as little as you can. Say bland things that appeal to most people. Just keep the spotlight on Trump.
0: Let Trump be Trump. Exactly. I think, that might, uh, I think that's think that got to be their strategy. Well, good, Anna. Okay. Um, uh, be well in Brooklyn. Me too. And we'll tune back in with you after... Maybe they have another debate
1: <laughs> if we're all still here. <laughs> if we make it through. Bye. Bye.
0: Buongiorno, Lisa Duca, How are you?
2: Buongiorno. It's all very well here. Thank you.
0: So you're in Milan. You wrote a really interesting piece this week about the auction or the or two bids that are coming from private private equity consortia uh, for Serie A, which is the uh, Italian soccer league. I imagine this is riveting. Uh, people in finance and beyond in Italy.
2: Absolutely. Um, So what people need to understand is that the Serie A, which used to be a global champion, has lost ground, you know, behind rivals such as the UK Premier League and Spanish La Liga. They're just not uh, making much money at all. And one of the reasons why this is the case is that the whole Italian top soccer um, is, is a bit of a mess, I mean the way the way it is run. We have uh, about 20 teams in the Serie A Association and each team counts the same no matter how big or successful this team is and this leads to a constant battle between club chieftains like for instance Lazio owner Claudio Lotito or Di who own Juventus and really this has not allowed any progress and as we said, you know, Serie A has really lost sparkle compared to its. I know. I remember
0: when I lived in Italy in the late 90s, and you know, at the turn of the century, I thought of Serie A was the sort of the 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 best of the leagues in you know in Europe. And when you, when when I read your piece and I saw that they're trailing in revenue and uh, social media impressions and following and all those kinds of me- uh, metrics that that people use, you know, the, so many of these other clubs. It's It struck me as uh, as fascinating. I guess one, one question I have for you about this. Can you maybe just step back? Serie A uh, is, you said it's 20 teams, 20 clubs, basically. 20
2: clubs, yes. They
0: all get a vote. So this is governance that that gets kind of messy. Everybody, you know, even a little club. What's the littlest club? It's probably like Udine or something like that, right? It has as much weight as, I don't know, Juventus.
2: Juventus, yeah, or AC Milan or Inter. Right.
0: And then, and then, an, and then they so they all have an equal way. They, they do they all get the same amount of revenue? Explain how the finances work a bit.
2: So, um, they get the same vote, so the governance is split equally, but obviously, the revenues are split the largest clubs, you know, will get the larger portion of the pie, but not as large as it should be because there's an attempt to somehow equalize it so that the, the smallest clubs, you know, also get some money. So it's a bit of a right. socialist approach, if you want, to revenue distribution. Right.
0: <laughs> but, and and that, now this idea that's come along, there's two bids. The first one is from CVC Capital Partners, which is Got some experience. They, they were involved in Formula One. They've been on. Was it the the Rugby They're Six rugby. Nations? And and they and I think some other things. They are the ones who kind of put together this big deal to buy basically to buy ten percent of Serie A. But. They would rectify this governance problem by having 50% of the votes. Is that right?
2: Yes. I mean, they're going to buy actually 10% of a new company which will handle the media rights business because this is where the future is. You know, I mean, especially now that we have COVID, you know, with fans are staying at home and maybe they'll be staying at home for a long time. Um, you know, the future is in broadcasting and media rights. So the right. idea of CBC and then. A similar idea uh, from from Bain is really to to create a company that manages in a professional way how these TV contracts, you know, these broadcast country contracts are assigned and uh, allocated. Mm-hmm. At the moment, at the moment, I mean, the the Syria is totally understaffed. There's maybe 40 people, and in the UK, you probably have 500 doing the same thing so uh, really i mean it relies constantly on intermediaries for these media rights and and that means not really having control of what you're getting in the end
0: and so the idea is to expand those media rights particularly i mean in in italy it's a kind of a one-horse town in terms of I mean, you've got comcast or sky i guess it's it's called which is owned by comcast is the only real buyer for television rights but the well, idea they a, are there other
2: there's also this DAZN, which is a sports mm-hmm. streaming service. I mean, actually, I think it's, it's called DAZN. DAZN, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a bit difficult to pronounce, but basically, there's it, not many players. You know, I mean, Comcast Sky is by far the largest owner of the rights, And then there's this challenger, if you want, but that's it. But the real opportunity is abroad because, you know, the, there's probably a, about... 100 to 400 million euros of revenue for international rights for the Serie A at the moment, but, you know, this could be doubled or, you know, I mean, if if we just look at some of the other nations, if done professionally, you know, at the moment, no one is really watching many, many matches, uh, many Italian matches in China or in the United States.
0: Right. When I walk by bars here in Switzerland, I'm I kind of I, I am amazed. I see way more Premier League or the Bundesliga or some rather than 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 Italy. And you know, there's it's such an obvious place to have even more um, viewership. Well, okay. So so let's then. So this this offers come along from CVC. Ten percent. It values the new company for the media rights at what sixteen billion euros.
2: Sixteen billion euros. Yes, for the CVC. Um, offer and uh, 13 billion euros plus 300 million euros of, let's say, guaranteed or semi guaranteed dividends for the other offer. So, I mean, maybe they're not that different, you know, but, right. but this yeah. is a. But
0: one has guarantees and, every, and the other has more. You never know.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: And but and so it's CDC and, and they're with some other, they've got partners, don't they? They've added. So,
2: Advent International and FIS, which is an Italian strategic fund, uh, are with um, CVC. Is and that another the-
0: arm of CDP, the, uh, the, uh, the long arm of the oh, government? Pretty much. Is-
2: I mean, it, it's not entirely, but pretty right. much. And then uh, Bain has, um, let's say, I mean, less clear connections. I mean, uh, uh, it does have another um, private equity fund, which used to be an offspring of Intesa, but it kind of seems to be liked by some, uh, you know, Serie old guards, um, you know, elements. Uh, um, so, so... It's got this she, guy, Marco
0: Bogarelli. Indeed. Is in there. He was
2: is so King, you know a lot of experience in that you know and there's other people um who's made you know positive noises so it kind of seems you know they've really worked on their connections but anyway i suppose that the idea is to to try and move forward uh and certainly not to maintain the status quo uh because it's it's really a mess you know and, and it would not bode well for italian football to keep it as it is
0: so but 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 you know, to block this, they only need the, the blockers, as it were, who seem to be uh, among them. From what we had heard from our reporting when we were in Milan earlier this week, is this Lazio owner, club owner, Claudio Lotito, yes. um, and some others who, you know, would if you got six of them, is or seven, would, is all you need to block it. So it needs a 14 votes essentially to go forward. Yeah. Is that correct? So there's yeah. a there's a real, but there, it sounded to me, based on what you your reporting and, and some of the things you and I heard when we were in Milan, that there's a chance, there's a 50-50 chance that it gets blocked.
2: Indeed, because um, you know not everyone is convinced uh, that this is the, the right structure, and, and clearly some of these uh, small, um, Club owners who, however, you know, enjoy a lot of local powers would be sidelined because this would have to be run professionally by people who have expertise on on TV mm-hmm. rights. So, you know, while Juventus, um, I mean, from what I heard and the large clubs are clearly in favour of, you know, choosing one of the two structures and then each one has its reference. But, you know, they definitely want to change. Some others um, may just, you know, block it. So you're right. it's It's not a done deal.
0: Yeah, well, this will be interesting. So the the bids were due are due this on uh, um, Thursday yeah, this or week, Wednesday. Yeah, and
2: mm-hmm. then uh, in uh, in a few days there will be a meeting by La Lega, uh, Lega Serie A, to decide, uh, you know, whether to accept, whether to pick an exclusive partner for talks, or whether mm-hmm. or not to do anything.
0: So that, and we should know by next week. Italy is standing, you know, enwrapped, you know, waiting for this thing to happen. Um, it's going to be quite quite interesting now.
2: I mean, the, the final thing to say on this is that if they move forward, it's going to be good both for the clubs and for Italian soccer because the clubs are cash strapped, so they really need some money, and particularly cash strapped because of the pandemic. And if they get more money, they'll be able to buy more, you know, buy better and stronger players, and so Italian soccer is going to be much more fun.
0: More money, more players more victories. Forza. I guess, but we'll see. Forza Azzurri, is that what you say? Forza
2: Azzurri, yes. Forza Azzurri. Because
0: the other uh,
2: political party. Yeah, I know. know, I didn't want to. I
0: didn't say Forza Italia. Don't worry. Um, Well, good. Thank you, Lisa. Um, We'll look forward to to seeing what happens out of this deal. Take it easy.
2: Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Ciao.
0: That's our show for this week. Thanks to my guests, and hats off to our producer, Freddie Joyner, as always, in New York. Our final thanks go to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go to get your audio fixes. Check us out every day at breakingviews.com, and don't forget to tune in next week for another edition of The Views Room. Auf Sam, and stay healthy.